just started dreaming and dreaming. And in that dreaming, I came up with the idea to start a farm. And a friend helped me design the logo and I decided to call it Fresh because it's going to be a fresh start for me. And I think we, we all can have a fresh start whatever it, from whatever it is in life. Welcome to the Storytellers Live podcast, where everyday women share stories of hope. I'm Robin, and I'm here with Lindy and Katie, and we are your podcast hosts. And you'll we're on a roll with our January stories <laughs> of a new year, new you, and following God's promises and leaning into those. And today's story really is a perfect follow-up to last week's story. If you have not listened to Joy Jackson, we highly recommend that you do, because today we have Maury from Tupelo, Mississippi, and her story is about a fresh start. And what I love about Maury's story is she talks about that we could all use a fresh start every now and then in our lives, right? And the other thing that she does tie into with what Joy spoke about last week is that God can work all things for good. Mm -hmm. You're going to hear that in her story. And I'm also thrilled to have Maury as our second story within the story this month on Patreon. Maury goes into some detail. You're going to hear her talk about that she went through two divorces, but that's not really what her story Mm -hmm. is about. But what she does talk about in story within the story is how she went through forgiveness during that time. It's um, it's great advice. And I think it's going to encourage you if there is forgiveness that Mm -hmm. you need to have in your life. So if you are new to the podcast, or if you've been listening for a while and have not jumped in, I just want to tell you that Patreon is an online community where you financially support our podcast and the ministry. And in exchange, you get great content like Story Within the Story every month. Katie does an audio devotional that is super cool. And this month, I have an announcement on January 27th from 11 o'clock to 1 o'clock in the middle of the day, so either lunch break or whatever, I'm going to do a story coaching session that we are calling a Discover Your Story Workshop. And we're going to be on Zoom, and it is for Patreon members only. And I'm going to walk you through your story. And so I would love for you to join me in that. And all you do is go to patreon.com slash STL community. There's a link in our bio on Instagram. There's a link on our website at storytellerslive.org. And you can join today and then you can jump in for the Discover Your Story workshop. And here is Maury. Okay, so like Sally Bell said, um, I'm Maury. And I know pretty much everybody here. So it's nice to see familiar faces. I am a 53-year-old mom of four. 11 chickens, two cats, and a dog. I currently live on a little five-acre farm outside of town. And like Sally Bell mentioned, um, when she asked me about speaking, my hesitation was because it was like, okay, God, I'm going to have to say yes this time. And I did. I said yes. But many years ago, over a decade ago, I was living in Oxford, and I felt this calling, this prompting that I needed to speak but I didn't feel worthy. Soon after I had that prompting, I went through my first divorce and I did not feel worthy of sharing anything, did not think that God could use that. So push that way back and just pushed it down. Just to give you a little back, a little more backstory, I was raised in Oxford, great little town to be raised in, loved it. Went on to pharmacy school there, married my high school sweetheart, moved to South Carolina, Florida for 10 years, have my best friend there still, loved it. North Carolina, then back to Oxford, so back in Mississippi. While there, went through a divorce, and I'm going to fast forward, and what I'm going to share with you is the last three and a half years of my life. 
because if I were to share, <laughs> we'd be here for a few weeks. I moved to Tupelo in 2006 when I remarried and moved here with my kids. And that's how I landed in Tupelo, practicing pharmacy, retail pharmacy, and finding a new church family here at the orchard and making new friends. Fast forward to three and a half years ago, and the reality hits that I'm suddenly single, unexpectedly single. And I have a lot of decisions to be made with a lot of heartache and anxiety and just, I guess, felt gut punched. And I have to say this, I don't want to stand here and tell you the story. And I say that I don't want to stand here and tell you this story because I don't want to tell you a story that was two divorces and my kids, all four of my kids, two divorces. But at the same time, I want to tell you that I love my life. I love where I am in life. I have great friends, a great support group, a faithful God, and I love where I am. So it's this opposition of feelings and emotions that I have on this. But I know that I wouldn't be here today had I not experienced what I'm going to share with you. So here goes. Okay, I find myself single, knowing a divorce is imminent. There's no choice in this situation. And I start thinking of how am I going to move forward? You know, what do I do? And the, my son came to me and I had to explain to him what was going on. And he gives me this hug and he said, Mom, it's okay not to be okay. And when your child tells you it's okay not to be okay, it, for me, looking back, offered me such freedom and knowing that I didn't have to have my act together, that I could show my emotions. And I knew at that moment I wouldn't wear the mask this time. First time I went through that divorce, I wore my mask. I had to be mama. I had to protect my babies. I had to be at work. I could not miss work. I had to show up to that Bible study and teach knowing that, that um, I didn't need to be there, but I felt like I had to wear that mask. So this time I took the mask off and I have a huge, had a huge toolbox and I still hold on to these things today that helped me go through that. And I want to share with you what my toolbox was. So first and foremost, I, I told y'all I was raised in Oxford and when I was raised in Oxford, my parents firmly set me on a foundation of faith. As a child, I remember going to church and my parents taking me and teaching me the truth, not just by their words, but by their actions. I saw them love on others, accept others, step in to help others when they needed help. I saw that action of faith and love. And not only that, but they spoke God's word to me. I remember things like, he'll never leave or forsake you. You're loved. I knew that I was a unique creation in Christ, that he designed me for me. Because with this red hair as a child, I can promise you there were times that I did not like it because I was called a matchstick or tomato or red or whatever it was I got called. But anyway, they instilled in me this foundation. And I'll say that's the number one thing that helped me when I started this journey over the last three and a half years. The second thing is my deep bench. I could tell you so many stories of people that stood in for me, that took crazy car rides with me, that helped me pack dishes that sat with me at a meal and just reminded me to eat. I mean, I dropped, I don't know, 10 or 15 pounds just because I could not eat. Words of encouragement, spending time with me, teaching me to paint, knowing I could not paint, but just freeing my mind from all that was going on in my head. Everybody just stepped in for me. 
and walked with me every step of the way through this whole journey and this whole process. I had a lot of wise counsel. Things were told that I, that I still remember, and I wrote a few of these down, were just do the next right thing. I was so overwhelmed with the decisions I had to make. I knew I couldn't stay where I was living. I couldn't support a house for six when it was going to eventually just be me. But the next right thing, that's what I lived by, just the next right thing. When I would look ahead and just be overwhelmed with all the decisions to make and just not knowing what my future held, I was told things like, you're going to see more clarity just in a month from now. It's going to look differently. And it did. And sometimes it wasn't pretty. Sometimes it felt even worse. I also had a counselor who gave me great advice and helped me walk through this journey. I attended a class here called Thrive, which I can tell you all more about that later. But if you really want to do some soul searching and know why you believe what you believe and discover for me that I had some false beliefs, some false truths that were not godly, that I had learned. It, it's a great, a great program and a great study. And I brought this with me. This everybody needs to have in their arsenal of tools. It's waterproof mascara. <laughs> I have it on today. I had not worn it in year in I don't even know, probably a couple of years, but going through all this brought up a lot of emotions for me. So I knew this would be an emotional day. But definitely in your little toolkit, you need that. I journaled. Um, my counselor explained to me to journal, and y'all, this morning, when I got up to have my quiet time, I reached over my bedside table, and I found this. A friend gave this to me. Another part of my deep bench, it was a friend from JA, and it says, live your dreams. And I opened it up and started reading it, and I've got to read something out of here that I found this morning. Yeah, the journaling was really good. I remember, I guess it was that first summer I needed to get a break and I flew to Colorado to one of my high school friends just to get a break for the weekend. And I took a journal with me and I sat down in the Memphis airport and I started writing. When I tell you I went back and read it and the paint would come off of these walls if I read that out loud, <laughs> I had so much anger. I have never in my life been so angry. I had so much just bitterness and ugly but journaling got it out of me and onto paper, so it was good. I used music. Music was another thing in my arsenal of tools, Christian or non-Christian, just something to distract me. A lot of times there was praise music that we would sing here at church that I would also have at home, and it would help me just remember those promises of God and help me just free my mind. And something that I had done through my first divorce was I found a specific prayer and this time, my prayer was Exodus 14, 14, which just says that the Lord will fight for you. You just need to be still. And in that stillness, I've learned a lot this time around. Those are my, that's my toolkit. And I still use it today. And it's, it's been wonderful for me. So back to, I need to get out of my house. I was in a home for, built for six. I had five bedrooms and I needed to get somewhere else, something that I could afford and that would not be so daunting of a task to clean all those bathrooms. I started trying to think of where I could move, where to even start. I mean, at 50 and knowing you're gonna be single and my youngest two were seniors in high school by then. So I knew I wouldn't need much. So for some reason, this thought came to my mind of a farmhouse that years before my, young, my oldest daughter, Eliza, had had her senior pictures made. Local photographer had bought this little five acre farm and had a farmhouse there. So a few years prior to that, 
I'd actually called her and, about it because she had it up for sale. And I wanted to get it as a rental. I thought it would be so cool to buy this farmhouse, have it as a rental, and provide a home for someone that they could go to good schools. And I thought, I want to get in the rental business. And um, at the time, I was married, and he did not agree, and so I did not, we did not purchase it. Fast forward, he's out of the picture. I'm on my own making a decision, and I go back to that farm. So Sydney and I, my youngest, decided to go visit and see what the house looked like because when we were there years prior, the home wasn't livable. I mean, there wasn't anybody in it. So it was Father's Day. We drove to Jackson to see my dad. And remember that thing about in a month from now, you'll have a lot of clarity and you'll see where things are? That day I had a lot of clarity and it was one of my low points. And I realized the truth that I didn't want to know about why I was suddenly single and realized that the divorce is definitely going to happen. It was just one more affirmation. And so Sydney knew I was terribly upset that day. Frances knows I was terribly upset that day. I saw her later that day. And we decided to still go though and see the home. So Stephanie took us through the house. We looked at it. We went and sat down in the car. And I said, well, baby, what do you think? Is this somewhere you would feel comfortable living? I mean, we were not even five minutes from high school. She was maybe seven minutes from work. I mean, everything was so central where we lived in town. And she's like, Mom. And I said, I know, this is it, isn't it? And she's like, yes, we're going to buy it. So <laughs> it, like, it took no time to decide. It was just going to be home. We left going the windy roads back home, hit a corner, and there it was, a rainbow. <laughs> I'm like, okay, God, you keep showing up. I mean, he's shown up through my friends. He's shown up through strangers. He's shown up through so many ways, and then he physically shows us this rainbow. So we knew that the farm was the place to be. And then I'm thinking, okay, how am I going to move? I've got five-bedroom home. I'm going down to a two-bedroom home. I have a two-car garage. I'll have no garage. You know, how is all this going to work? And a sweet pastor comes to me and says, when are you moving? I said, well, I don't know. He said, okay, let's figure this out. So to make a long story short, at 8 o'clock on a, this certain Friday morning, all the pastors of this church showed up to my house. And there were other men in my church that showed up as well. So on that Friday morning, they come into my home, and they get all my boxes and put them in the truck. They get my swing that I didn't want to leave. They get any little bench or anything outside my pots with old nasty flowers in it that were dead, everything. <laughs> they moved it all. So eight o'clock, we're at my house, they start loading. 11.30, we're out at the farm on my porch having sandwiches. And to see those men step in and take care and be the hands and feet of Christ was just such a testimony and another way that God showed up for me. My dad and his wife and my sister were there and they got to see all this. And I really feel like for them, it gave them some assurance and knowing that I was gonna be okay, that things were gonna be okay. There's something else that happened that day. So there's this sweet little boy that was there. His dad's one of our pastors. And he followed those men around all morning. He tried to carry the biggest boxes or the smallest boxes. He tried to sweep. He did anything he could. He played with a snake that was found that day. And the thing that struck me about it is that this child was there because he was helping Miss Maureen. That's all he knew. He did not know the heartache I had. He did not know the anxiety that I was feeling and the just brokenness. But he watched men step in and be the hands and feet of Christ. 
And that was probably one of the biggest blessings of that day, I'll have to say. Because I know that baby knows what it, what it is to step in for other people and to do what Christ would do. And I can remember talking to my dad about it. Oh my goodness, it just made his heart full. It was so sweet to see. So just another way that God showed up for me. So I'm here at this farm now, and it's like, what in the world am I gonna do? I'm a light person, like I like daylight. The days started getting shorter on me. I would turn every light on in that farmhouse, anything I could find on my lamps. And I just knew I had to find something to do. I was having a really big battle during this time, and it was with myself. I was having a really big mind battle. I had anxiety like I had never experienced before in my life. And the irony of it is that I had counseled, as a pharmacist, I had counseled so many patients with their anxiety and depression. I was really good at telling people what to do. I could explain to them how their medicines worked. I could tell them some other things that would help a good counselor. Get some exercise, you know, get those endorphins going. I mean, I could tell you all kind of things, but when it hit me, I did not know what to do. It was overwhelming. I remember one day I had been getting some final things out of my house in town and I texted my healthcare provider and I was driving back to the farm to get ready to go to work and she caught my phone rings and she's calling me. She's like, what are you doing? And I said, I'm going home to get ready for work. Please repeat to me what your symptoms are. And I said, well, my face is kind of numb and my arms are tingling. And I don't even know how to describe my chest. I said, it's just like this empty achiness, but it, I can't breathe. She said, yeah, you're going home. You're gonna take your medicine that I gave you for emergencies and you're not going to work. I'm like, I can't miss work. You know, here it is. I have to be there. It's my afternoon shift. No, you, you're not gonna be filling any prescriptions today, which was wise, and you're, you're going home. Y'all, this was one of my low points. I couldn't do it. And this was one of those turning points too, where I knew I had to capture my thoughts. I had to do something. I was spending so much time rethinking things of the past or concerns for the future that I found myself stumbling. And it makes sense. You can't walk forward if you keep looking back, you're gonna stumble. You're gonna live in the past, then you're never gonna find your future. So I knew that something had to give. I was explaining it to my counselor one day and she gave me this bit of advice that I still use today. She said, okay, Maury, when one of these thoughts comes to you, ask yourself this, does this have to be handled right now? Like, I mean, if your house is on fire, yeah, you gotta handle it right then, right? But she said, if it's not, just imagine a pause button. You know, you think about on a podcast, whatever, you hit the little triangle for the play or you hit pause, the two lines, hit the two lines. And so I started trying it. And I would hit the pause button and ask the question, is this something I have to handle now or is this something I can do later? And I realized over 90% of the time, it wasn't anything I even needed to deal with right now. And when I did pause button, by the time it came back to my mind, it had already been handled a lot of times and I would have worried for nothing. So for me, learning to use the pause button on my crazy thoughts um, is very effective. So I kept trying to work through this whole process of my mind battle. And I thought, you know, I spend a lot of time rethinking scenarios that are very negative. Why in the world do I not rethink those joyous times? I mean, the birth of my kids, fun holiday times, fun trips, 
why do I focus on that yuck when I've been given so much more than that? So it was definitely a good check for me. Well, this part of the story, I don't know that we'll get to today, but I also realized in the midst of all this mind battle and anxiety, y'all, I would rotate just yo-yo back and forth between extreme anger and believe it or not, even as a redhead, I really was not a very angry person. I didn't see myself that way anyway, but I found myself at this like rage, angry, like I could have ripped a head off just of a certain person, but I could have ripped a head off. (laughs) And then, so I had this anger and then this extreme sadness and anxiety. And I mean, I would just back and forth, back and forth. And I realized that forgiveness would have to be part of my healing process as well. So back to the anxiety part though. I'm going to push that forgiveness to the side right now. I remembered after, while I was going through my first divorce, that one of the things that freed my mind was putting my hands in the dirt. I don't know why, but my hands go in the dirt and my mind frees. I think like for my son, he plays his guitar and that's his, his freedom time. For some people, it's making pottery. For some people, it's painting, whatever running, which I never have understood that. But um, <laughs> that to me is a punishment, but I get it. People love it, love it. Okay, so anyway, I realized that for me, putting my hands in the dirt freed my mind. So I started trying to figure out what I would do. So I started dreaming and researching, and I thought, I've got five acres. Surely I can grow something out here. And then I thought, well, Daddy used to throw out sunflower seeds for his dove hunting. I mean, they'd have acres of sunflower seeds. Those were easy to grow. Surely I can do that. And zinnias, I mean, my grandmother would literally just shake those old dead ones, and they'd come back the next year somehow. I don't know. So I'm thinking, I can do something. So I started dreaming. I started reading. I thought, oh my goodness, what if I could grow all those dahlias and have a big old bunch to put on social media for everybody to ooh and all over? Would that not be fun? <laughs> I mean, and y'all, when I put flowers in my house, they're in my bathroom, they're on my bedside tables, they're in the den, they're everywhere I can find a space. Like, I love having flowers. And I thought, well, maybe I can do this. And I started looking. And this book goes through every season of the year. And I realized, oh, wow, I could even do something in the winter to prepare for the next season. Or I could have dried flowers. And so I just started dreaming and dreaming. And in that dreaming, I came up with the idea to start a farm. And a friend helped me design the logo. And I decided to call it Fresh because it's going to be a fresh start for me. And I think we all can have a fresh start. Whatever it, from whatever it is in life. I started thinking about, well, maybe I could grow enough flowers that I could go to the farmer's market, or I could grow enough flowers that we could do, you can come out and cut your flowers and make your own arrangement, or all these ideas started coming to my mind. And recently, I was listening to a podcast, a Brene Brown podcast, and in it, she was interviewing a lady named, and I'm totally paraphrasing this, this may not have been what she said, but this is what I heard. She posed the question about dreams. She said, and and I want to read you this. I found where I had actually written down what I thought about it. Until recently, oh, and this was my journaling on anything I could find at the moment. (laughs) Until recently, I'd never really considered that the source of my dreams could have been anything other than something I had conjured up. But what if the dreams and the imaginings are inspired by the Holy Spirit? What if they're speaking to us, telling us who we could be, 
who we were designed to be. Could those yearnings to create, do more, be, be what we should live into? Those were my thoughts after listening to her. And I thought, okay, God has spoken to me through a rainbow. He's spoken to me through friends, through his word. What if that whole winter, when I sat there and dreamed, what if that was the Holy Spirit talking to me? I mean, no one came up to me and said, Maury, you're 50 and you need to start a flower farm. You need to do this. No, those were something that came from within me. And I know that I was uniquely designed by God, created by him. So maybe those dreams were the Holy Spirit. And I do believe that. I believe that the Holy Spirit was speaking to me and guiding me. And, you know, it did start out to be a flower and herb form. But his vision just seems to always be bigger than mine. And now what I have is I started dreaming about a greenhouse, too. I was going to have this big greenhouse that you could go in, and I would be able to spend my whole winter out there getting my seedlings started and all. Well, I have the greenhouse. I don't grow a thing in it, (laughs) no flowers, but I found something even better is that I have people come out to my farm and we gather around tables and we may eat or have coffee or make pottery. Or last night we made dried wreath arrangements, flowers I dried on the farm. I feel like it's a space that allows us to listen to what's inside, to maybe hear God speak. I know for me, I can look back and know that that verse I talked about, Exodus 14, 14, where he's going to fight my battle, I just need to be still. That whole winter when I was still, I really could hear God. I didn't realize that what it, this, what it was at the time. I thought I was just dreaming. But I, I truly believe that was God speaking to me. And I, I want to offer a space for others that they can come out and dream and listen and feel accepted and loved and know that they're worthy. You know, I told you in the beginning that I didn't feel worthy to speak when I first heard that prompting. And retail pharmacy is what I typically do. And I was several years ago, right after I had become single, I had a customer come in, wise man. And he saw me and he looked at me and he said, Maury, come here. And he was just talking to me. And he said, Maury, I just need you to know something. And I said, what's that? And he said, because he was so funny, y'all. And, and he's no longer leaving. He just recently passed away this month. But he, he said, I need you to know something. I need you to know you're worthy. Okay, y'all, I'm standing at work. There are customers there, prescriptions, and I lost it. This man comes to me and said, I just want you to know you're worthy. I'm like, oh my goodness. I just walked to the back. I said, and, and I know that was God again speaking to me. And it wasn't that I didn't believe that I was worthy. I know God made me and I know that I'm worthy, but y'all, I didn't feel it. I didn't feel that worthiness. And that sweet man came in that day. And I know that was Jesus walking in there to tell me, to remind me that I was worthy. And I just want everybody to know they're worthy. I want them to know that when they come out to my farm, that I love them because I know he loves me. And that it doesn't matter what your past looks like. It really doesn't matter what your present looks like. You know, one of my things at the farm is nothing's perfect. Like, I always have a project going. Most of them are unfinished. And that's just the way my life is. But I also know that if I waited for everything to be perfect, I would never be present for anything. Never. I just, I try to remind myself presence over perfection. Be present. Be there. Because how else can God work if we're not going to show up and let Him be there? So... I'm going to refer back to my notes here. You know, 
I told you that this wasn't the story I wanted to tell you. And I can remember in the last six months, one of my kids being really upset and she was crying. And oh my goodness, y'all, it's one thing for sure may hurt my feelings, but you hurt my baby's feelings. Like, you know, mama bear comes out. Oh, I just hugged on her and loved on her. I'm like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry you're hurt. I don't, I don't want you to be hurt. And I'm really sorry you're hurt because of somebody else's choices. You have no control over that, but you're going to be okay. And this may not look like what you want it to look like. That relationship may not be the relationship you're going to keep. And I'm really sorry. And as I was talking to her and loving her, I thought, this is what Jesus has been telling you. He didn't make those choices that I was single. I, I, I do not believe that. But I do believe this. I believe that God took that situation and he worked it for good and worked it into a dream that I, I could have never imagined or made. He's the one that took the ugly and the yuck and turned it into something good. And, you know, you're sitting there loving on your, your baby, and it just kind of hits me that, yeah, this is what Jesus is feeling for me. I may not physically feel his arms around me, but he's got me. Just like all of my deep bench had me, all my friends, my coworkers. I mean, y'all, I just I have so many stories about where people stepped in. But Romans 8, 28 says, In all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And I believe that. And, you know, I don't know what my life holds, but I don't, do know who holds my life. For that, I'm so, so grateful. And thank y'all for listening to me. Katie and Robin, I did love Maury's story as well. And I really loved meeting her last summer. As y'all remember, we were in Tupelo, Mississippi. We did a women's event for that community. And Maury, she was so fresh. Yes. That's such a perfect description. Her beautiful long red hair. <laughs> and she did the most beautiful wildflower arrangements from her farm for that event. And I, I just remember wanting to meet her because y'all know I love flowers. And what struck me in this story is you could even hear her voice change as she went through the struggle mm of the divorce and everything she had to go through there to this fresh start. Mm. And you could hear it in her voice. I love how she had that toolbox to pull from yes. and a, really a foundation of faith mm -hmm. that is so important to have. And it's important to pour into your kids to have for when we, mm -hmm. we face trials. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was listening to it in the car and I was like, oh, I need my notebook. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go back and re-listen and take some notes mm -hmm. because she has a really good toolbox. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you know that dreaming with God is my thing. Mm -hmm. So when I heard Maury's story, I was like, you are speaking my language. <laughs> because something God showed me years ago is that our imagination is him. Our imagination is Holy Spirit. And she told that way better than I ever could. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, yes, yes, yes. When we're still, when we listen, when we're quiet, things that we think are daydreams or things that, that we think may just be ourselves or may even feel self-indulgent. If they line up scripturally, that's the Lord. And, you know, I if you listened last week, I talked a little bit about journaling and Maury talks about that here. And that's how I hear God. I sit, I'm quiet, I write, and I journal, and all of a sudden I've written these things that I didn't even know were in my mind. 
because that's him. And so I love, love, love her, her dreaming. Mm. You know, as she ended her story, there were two word pictures that really just stuck out to me. The first one was when she talked about the gentleman coming in and telling her that she was worthy. He told her that right when she needed to hear it. Mm -hmm. It reminded me of the importance of acting when God prompts me to say things to Mm -hmm. other people, because that just might be him using me to be a vessel of the Holy Spirit to speak truth to the people around me. And then also when she ended her story talking about comforting her daughter and how God just gave her this vision of that's what I do for you. Mm-hmm. You know, I wrap my arms around you. I tell you it's going to be okay and it's all going to work out. And so those two word pictures I really am going to hold on to. Yeah, you know, I think when we do that with our kids, when we as a parent, I think it's so much easier to see how God loves us. Mm-hmm. And I'm so thankful for that image. Well, we hope that you enjoyed Maury's story, that you're challenged to dream. Maybe something that you thought was just this fleeting thing in your mind is maybe the Lord prompting you to do something. If it is, will you tell us? Will you tell us if Maury's story, if the Lord has used it to really activate something in you to go after something you've been dreaming about? We would love to hear it. You can email us at info at storytellerslab.org. And if you'll pause right now and rate and review our podcast, maybe you even tell us on there how God used Maury's story or any of the others to speak to you because we read the reviews. We're so thankful for them and it helps other people find our podcast who may need the hope that you just received. So thanks for listening and we will talk to you next week. Bye.